One trick I've learned as a priest to get people's attention is to talk about this one word, and two of the letters in the middle are the same, and the two letters at the beginning and the end are the same. And the word is poop. I don't know why people are fascinated or get engaged when I start talking about poop, but I know I already have your attention. It's very strange. I don't understand. But maybe it's because at the Newman Center, we haven't been able to poop like literally for 13 years in peace. We've had this mediocre pooping experience because when they built the building, I don't know why they were okay with this, but the piping was put in not very well, to put it plainly. I think it was done horribly, but anyways, as we've been going through the past last semester, uh, we literally had to call Roto-Rooter eight times because there's backup. There's the brown stuff going in the wrong direction, which is like never a fun situation. And as we, you know, had to call people in to figure out how can we fix this problem, we called in one gentleman who actually what he does is he takes a camera scope and goes down the pipes to figure out where the problem is. And we found out that when the, when the women flush the toilet um, and the water goes down, some of the water goes actually up into the men's piping. Gross, I know, right? And they found out that the, the main sewage line, it's too flat and it's not pitched right. So when like water and fecal matter and whatever else people flush down the toilet, it just sits there. Gross, I know. And we've had this, finally on Ash Wednesday, we finally had this opportunity for us to, to be able to poop in peace. The bathroom project is finally done. And one thing I've learned through the little wisdom that I have in my head and in my mind and my body is that if you can't poop, you can't pray. Very simply. If you're always worrying about, I gotta go across the street to the Reeve or to the library to poop, you can't pray because you just can't sit and be still. And I think often for a lot of us, you know, we have literal spiritual constipation happening. We have dark matter in us, and the Lord, as the divine journeyman, just simply wants to come in and fix your plumbing problem. You know, he says to us in our gospel reading today, repent and believe in the good news. So if you want to remain spiritually constipated the rest of your life with your sins, with those things that you struggle with, um, don't repent and don't believe. But if you do desire to have freedom come to you, I would encourage you to repent. And repenting means a change of, of your mind completely, a change of your heart completely. That means whatever direction I'm going in, I'm making a big U-banger, right? I'm turning around. I'm not going that way anymore because it's not making me happy. That means I have what they call a metanoia and many, many, many metanoias. That means a complete transformation because I don't want to be spiritually constipated anymore. I don't want to listen to those voices that tell me I'm not good enough. I don't want to listen to those voices that tell me I'm worthless. I don't want to listen to those voices anymore that tell me it's not that big of a deal. I don't want to listen to those voices anymore that tell me this will be your last time and then I go ahead and indulge. On Friday of this past week, I went up to St. Mary's in Greenville and I was at the end of hearing first confessions for the second graders. I had to go to the bathroom. That's not what I want to talk about. But I went to the bathroom and they, they have uh, a lot of literature in the bathrooms and in those bathrooms they had, um, in the men's bathroom that is, they didn't go in the girls' bathroom. But in the men's bathroom, they had this little packet. 
And it's called the five keys to freedom, but in particular, those who struggle with sexual sin. And as I've come to learn about how the Lord works in my own life, he works through very ordinary circumstances. You know, for one way for us to, like, repent and believe in the good news is to go to confession. Whenever I, I see, like, a baby changing table in a bathroom, that's exactly what confession is. It's getting your spiritual diaper changed. And it's not that God tires from, like, changing our diaper. It's us that we get tired of asking him. But if you desire change, which I would assume most of us do, if you desire change, then you are in the first step of the five keys to freedom. And sometimes, in order to promote change, I have to challenge you. And in your heart, you say, die, priest, die, don't challenge me, I want to be comfortable. But I have to challenge you. Do you desire change? Are you happy with mediocrity? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with your struggles with anger, depression, loneliness, addictions to pornography, masturbation? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with seeing people suffer? Do you desire change? Because you have to change first before others will change. And it says in here, you're, you won't change your behavior until you really want to change. You must want to stop more than you want to breathe. <laughs> which is a very powerful statement. And God works with your desire. If you are a teacher or a parent or you're a business owner or, I don't know, a priest, if people don't want to change, if they don't have a desire to change, there's like literally nothing you can do for them besides pray for them and wait. But if you have a, a student or you have a child or you have a person you're discipling or working with and they actually want to change, it's like gold because they're moldable. They're like that piece of clay that actually can be transformed. That's why people love working with athletes because they just like the change. They want to be transformed. They want to put the effort in to become the best they can be. So the first step is change. The second step it talks about is a changing of habits. Habits are things that we do over and over and sometimes subconsciously. We're not even aware that we do it. But we're called to form habits that are called virtues. Virtues are habits that lead us to our supreme good. And what is your supreme good and my supreme good? Our supreme good is to be loved by God and to love God and to love others with the love of God. And those things help us. They help us become holy and happy. But there's also the opposite, which are called vices. These are habits that actually are vicious. They take life, they suck the life out of us. And the Lord, quite clearly, through repentance, through your desire to change, wants to put life into you. But if you want to change your habits you really have to get rid of the source of the temptation. You know, just very clearly, if I struggle with looking at inappropriate things on the internet, I'm not going to have this thing in my room or even close to me. You know, if someone struggles with a drug addiction, you would never put drugs near them. If someone struggles with a social media addiction, well, you take it away. If someone struggles with an alcohol addiction, you wouldn't go to the bars and go to the liquor store with them. You don't put them in a place of temptation. 
And there are these different blockers, software blockers that are available. One is called Covenant Eyes. And Covenant is not a contract. We heard the word covenant like four times in our first reading. We just heard it a bunch of times in our responsorial psalm. A lot of people don't know what covenant is. Covenant is not a contract. A contract is an exchange of goods. You know, so like if I wash your car, you give me $5. That's an exchange of goods. But a, but a, co- a covenant versus a contract, a covenant is an exchange of persons so that you actually sacrifice your life for them and they sacrifice their life for you to get you to heaven. That primarily is seen on earth in the sacrament of holy marriage. Because you love that person so much, you want their good. You want them to go to heaven. It's also seen for us primarily in the martyrs of the church. It's seen in Jesus Christ, in his crucifixion, and also in the holy mass that we are at, where your body will be exchanged for his. Your heart will be exchanged for his. But the thing is, it cost him his life. And he went to the desert to be tempted, as we hear in our gospel reading today, the desert of the place of saying, I got to deal with my stuff. And it wasn't primarily about him, it was about others. So we have desire for change, step one. We got to change our habits. And the third one, I think, is almost the most important one besides the fourth one. But the third one is called get accountable. So often, you know, as as we go through this this London season, so often you're going to hear me say, you can't do it alone. (laughs) You can't fight the battle alone. No one has won a gold medal without a coach in the Olympics. And that means you and I need a band of brothers or a band of sisters to help us. This past week, Lisa, thank you, just called you out. Um, she sent us a video on our group meet for the Newman Center for our events. And it was a video from a, a lady named Sarah Swafford. And Sarah used to work with college students, and she had about 142 women. And she says in this three-minute clip that wherever women are, men just show up. So there's about 140-plus men at this event. And she challenged all of the people there to be vulnerable with one another especially those who struggle with sins of the flesh. So in that first semester, six men went back to their dorm and said, what are you struggling with? And they were vulnerable. They said, I'm struggling with masturbation. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with sleeping around. I'm struggling with alcohol. And they made a very strong fast for one another if one person was tempted. And they made a pact and they said, if I fall into sin, I will text our text chain that I fell. And then everyone in that text chain would fast from food for 24 hours straight. At the end of the semester, they came to Sarah to thank her, to talk about the joy they have for being pure, from fasting for one another, But also they talked about the depth of friendship they experience. The depth of friendship, the fraternity, having a group of men that have their back no matter what, that they can just quick send that text message out and be honest that they they fell. And then instead of being judged, they were fasted for. 
If we don't have accountability, if we don't have a band of brothers, a team around us, we can't conquer our sins. Jesus, in our gospel reading today, literally had angels minister to him. This is the God of the universe, the God that creates like ex nihilo, no problem, not a problem for him. Even God had angels minister to him. So why do we think that we can do it without the angels and the saints and brothers and sisters? Jesus had his band of brothers of 12 apostles. This is God. To complete his mission, he needed people. He needed accountability. So why do we think that we can do that? And also, people to hold you accountable to go to confession frequently. Do not be afraid to pray for one another. And that is the fourth step of the or fourth key to freedom is prayer. You know, last weekend we heard about the leper that approached Jesus and did him homage. And he said, Lord, if you wish, you can heal me. You can make me clean. And Jesus said, I do will it. And he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, be made clean. And his leprosy left him. Lepers weren't able to do what you and I are able to do now. They were outcasts. They were looked at funny, right? People said, don't come near me. But you have to imagine the joy that when that leper was healed, that they could go worship freely. This thing that you and I are doing right now, they take it for granted so much. Imagine the joy of you being set free, the, the, the divine journeyman coming in and correcting all the plumbing in your spiritual life that is wrong and getting rid of all the dark matter so you can hear him say, I love you. So you can hear him say, you know, you don't have to isolate yourself anymore when you sin. You can ask for help. I will provide for you. I'm going to make you new again. And even in our gospel reading today, you know, Jesus says that this is a time for fulfillment, fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. He says, repent and believe in the good news. And like right after this, we just heard this a few weeks ago, he calls Peter and Andrew and James and John to drop their nets. He says, come follow me. And when you and I place ourselves in that gospel scene, we know that they were doing the same thing over and over and over and it was exhausting them and they were hating themselves and they were tired and they were not happy. But they did hear about this Jesus that was helping people see, you know, helping people hear. He was helping people who couldn't speak, speak. He was taking paralyzed people and raising them. He was taking dead people and giving them life. And they heard about him and all he had to say were a few words, Come, follow me. And the scriptures say that they rebuked their nets, they forsook their nets, they abandoned their nets, which means that if you and I really want to follow Jesus, we can't carry that crap with us. We can't do that. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus and we don't deny ourselves and then pick up our cross, that's not repentance. I don't know what that is. So that means the Lord is encouraging you, inviting you, you got to drop your nets. if you want to follow me and know true freedom, true happiness, true love. And then he's going to call you to go do the same thing for others once you are free. 
And as I, as I meditate upon that scene, I, I love the way the Chosen series, if you haven't checked it out, please watch the Chosen series. But when they, cho- when they show that, that, that scene of Peter, Andrew, James, and John dropping their nets, the one thing I just never thought of that they did so well in that is I never thought of the reaction of Zebedee, who is the, the dad of James and John. I never thought of his reaction like they showed it in The Chosen. Often I think, like, how could you just leave the dad there with the boats full of fish? Like, what? That's like breaking the fourth commandment, right? But the way that they show it is that Zebedee is so joyful because now his sons are going to go change the world. And the, the, like, Andrew and Peter are watching James and John talk to their dad, and they say, Dad, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to help us? He's like, no, go. Go follow Jesus. This is the one we've been waiting for. And they're like, but we're going to be late for dinner. He's like, you think I'm going to be, your mom's going to be mad at you that you found the Messiah? And he's so joyful. He's so glad to let his sons forsake their nets. And the one who's more joyful for you to do that was Jesus standing there the whole time. That they repented and they believed. And the fifth key is learning more. You know, we've got to learn more about the Catholic faith in general. Our level of intellectual uh, fortitude is like two out of like a thousand right now in the, in the world. We're, we've become kind of dumb. We've dumbed down the faith. Some people don't even know things, and I've been there before. I remember when I first encountered the Lord, I didn't know how to pray a Hail Mary on Our Father at the age of 21. Not good, Right? But the more we learn and know about our faith, the truth about our faith, it's so rich. It's so rich. And then it pours out of you the grace, the goodness. You have to share it with others. It's contagious. But if you don't know much about the faith, the one person who loves ignorant Catholics is the evil one. He loves playing tricks on you and pulling the rug out from your feet And telling you that you're never going to get it. Why do you even try? They're just going to judge you. You're not good enough. You're ugly. You're unlovable. But when you learn the beauty of the riches of our faith, oh my gosh, the joy that you can share with others is immeasurable. And this last thing is my own part. But every Lent, I challenge everyone to do this one thing, and it is to grab a shotgun or a twenty-two. And I encourage people to take very kindly and gently their TV and take it in the backyard and put a bullet through it. Die, priest, die. I know, I get it. But the thing is, we say we don't have time for things, but how much time do you spend on your cell phone? How much time do you, you watch TV? What good is coming out of it, really? And I'm not saying go shoot your, your TV. I'm saying put a blanket over it, put it away. Take a break for Lent. I mean, how much more of the news can you watch and convince yourself, it's going to make me happy this time? Like, please, right? <laughs> how much more fear-mongering can you take with how screwed up our world is when I don't think it's that screwed up. I think our world just likes living us, letting us live crippled in fear. 
And I'm here to challenge you and invite you into new life. And that begins with repenting, as Jesus said. So if you desire change, I'm going to say a prayer. And I just invite you to say it in, in your heart of hearts. To ask for true renewal. To ask for courage. To find a band of brothers or a band of sisters. To be vulnerable with. And you just have to think, for those guys that did that, you know, that I talked about with Sarah Swafford, those guys that did that, think of how happy their wives are that they made that change. And their children are. So when you and I start making sacrifices not based on ourselves, our fasts are more powerful. When you and I start making sacrifices that are not based on ourselves, our sacrifices are more powerful. And the beautiful thing out of that out of those six men, one became a priest. And God knows we need him. To challenge you, to encourage you, to love you, to feed you with the body and blood of Jesus, to absolve your sins, to anoint you when you're sick, to baptize your future children. Do you desire change? Are you spiritually constipated? All of us should be going like this. Yes, I have a lot of dark matter in me. I need the divine journeymen to come in and, and fix whatever is not right in me. If you desire that, I just encourage you just a quick pray with me in your heart of hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I desire to change today and forever. And I surrender my heart and my entire being to you. But I admit I cannot do it alone. I have fear of being abandoned. I have fear of losing control of who I am and who I might become. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to take what little space I can open to you, to use it and invade my heart, to take it captive and protect it from all evil. As the leper begged you for healing, I beg you for your help in my complete surrender to you. And Lord Jesus Christ, I cannot fight this battle alone anymore. I need your angels and saints, and I need good and holy friends to support me when I fall. I'm done. I hand you the dragon to slay. I hand you all of my impure desires. And I hand you the battle, and I walk away. It is yours, Jesus. You are the victor. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And because of what you did for me on the cross, it's not my battle anymore. Please give me the grace to repent and believe in the good news of the gospel and share it daily with others through my actions and prayers. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.